1: Chapters 1 through 7 of Romans gives us a clear idea of what life in the flesh looks like. By the time you hit chapter 8 of Romans, you really begin to see life in the spirit, as we'll see next. And again, greetings. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. As we continue our survey of Romans, we're back in chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, as we see what life in the Spirit looks like. What life in the Spirit has been afforded to us? How and why? It's a glorious chapter, one full of victory. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's edition of Truth For Today.
2: You serve sin or God, starting with your mind. So you pick over here, You either in that category or you're here. He goes on. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind, the unsaved mind, is hostile to God. It's at enmity. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Now, what do we just describe here? Is this a carnal believer or an unsaved person? Unsaved. It's an unsaved person. He just described. What's an unsaved person like? Their mind is set on sin. Uh, their mind is not on the things of the Spirit. Their mind is experiencing uh, death. A relational distance from God. is They have no peace in life, really. Uh, they're hostile to God. They're not submitting to God. They can't do it. That's an unsaved person, isn't it? That's what it was to be unsaved. Now, but it takes a way of describing the believer. Verse 5 The believer is one whose mind is set on the things of the Spirit. They're mine. That's why we always say, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Don't be just mystical. Lord, just tell me what you want. Tell me what. And I think I must get amused at people doing that. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. I did. You won't read it. It's like saying, honey, you never talked to me. Well, I just wrote you a 66 book Bible. Have you read the mail? God talks. This is God talking. Everything else, you've got to guess, discern, and hope. They're on it. I've been in meetings where I've been put in the tribulation, out of the tribulation, after the tribulation. I've been made so many things in one service where someone had a word from God. Thank God it wasn't from me. I had a man come and prophesy over me one time that Ichabod was over my ministry and over this church. Let's see, that was... Uh, 1889. Thank God it hadn't been fulfilled yet. But I told him, I said, You just missed it. You spoke in the name of God, but God doesn't pronounce Ichabod over his children. I'm just going through a trial. And you know what? If you were Isaiah, I'd be trembling right now, but you're just a mistaken, zealous young man. God never sends discouragement to a beat-up pastor. And so he wrote me a letter of apology. Don't. This is God's word. Set your mind. Oh, I hear Philippians 4 say, you want peace with God? Pray. four 6, But what we often forget is four eight. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever is holy, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is of good, set your mind on these things and you'll have peace. Your mind will determine whether you're a nervous wreck or not. And he said, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Psalms one nineteen, one sixty five. He said in his word that uh, those who meditate on God's law day and night shall prosper, and they will just abound, abound. There will be fruit, there will be fruit. What are you meditating on? Take these words of mine and meditate on them, Joshua, day and night, and you shall have great success. And I'll see, folks, could you quote a verse? Is that on TV? No, no, no. No, this is in the Bible. Quote it. You can't quote what you don't know. And the greatest heyday the devil's having on God's kids is they have been too overwhelmed with the media. You got to keep up the tech. You know what everybody has said but God. You know what? When one of them, I forget the man's name when he's dying. He said, bring me the book. And he had a huge library and his assistant said, which one? He said, there's only one, the book. Uh, Have you worn out any Bibles? Get, Get in. the spirit, the spirit. I remember praying as a young boy. I said, oh, I'd love to be a prophet. I'd love to be a prophet. And I told my dad one day he said, well, you know how you sure enough can be a prophet? And I said, yeah, how? give me the formula. He said, get full of the word of God because you can't make a mistake. Quote what God has said. Tell me what God said. And heaven and earth, there won't be any ifs. And so he's saying here the Christian life and the spirit affects my mind where I'm setting my thoughts. So we are people who mind the things of the spirit and their life and peace now watch what he says verse 9 you however you believers you aren't condemned you are not controlled by the sinful nature but by the spirit my i wonder how he can make such sweeping conclusive categorical statements do you think he reflected god's view you however who's you the folks back in 8 1 right You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And what we like to do is say, well, certain kinds of you are controlled by the Spirit. Who is the you? I can't hear you. Those in Christ for sure. He's talking to believers, right? He's not giving a bunch of... You are controlled not by but by the Spirit. You mean if I meet a Christian of a different label, he can be controlled by the Spirit and not have all my views? Yeah. If he's in Christ. I find out people in Christ, no matter what label you give them, act about the same. Have you found that out? If the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit... Now, watch this. He calls it the Spirit of God in 9, and the Spirit of Christ uh, in the rest of the verse what is he is he holy spirit spirit of god or spirit of christ what is he well there's a little uh little deal in the uh, cases of greek and one is genitive and one is ablative and when it's uh genitive they usually translate it of but when it's ablative as the source it's from how did the holy spirit show up on the day of pentecost If you read John 14 through 16, the Father and the Son said, we will send the Spirit as our representatives on the day of Pentecost. We're going to send the Spirit into the world. And Jesus said, he will be another of the same kind of help as I've been to you. So don't panic that I'm going away. And so both the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. So here you could say, if you have the Spirit from God, and the Spirit from Christ, if you don't have that Spirit that He gifted to His church, you don't even belong to Christ. So, to have possession of the Spirit in you is the ID mark of all who are truly saved, right? I'm in Christ and I possess the gift of Christ. When do you get the Spirit? Look at just John. This is one of my favorites. John 7. I'm listening. I'm listening. I hear no pages turn i'm not the word of god i just preach it right so you turn those pages john 7:37 on the last and greatest day of the feast jesus stood and said in a loud voice if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said streams of living water will flow from within him By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Ah, These guys didn't even have the Spirit. This is, he's talking to his disciples. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Let me ask you this. Has Christ been glorified? Has he sent the Spirit? Who gets it? believers that the moment you believe that those who are yet to believe will get the spirit that i send. so he's assuming if you're believers the spirit lives in you and and i grew up in a day when uh, we were labeling different groups that uh we've got it you don't and all that kind of stuff And, and one of the greatest contradictions was billy graham he was doing more than most all of the critics that would say you don't have what we have No, he may have had something they needed. Who knows? But God doesn't have any kids that are not indwelt by the Spirit. So, what do you do when you go out among believers? And everybody's claiming to be a believer. I wish I could do it like my dad said. When I said I was going to be a preacher, he said, Well, you're going to meet a lot of strange folks, son. I said, Oh, what a name for Christians. There's a lot. There's all kinds of animals on the ark. And if it wasn't for the storm on the outside, you couldn't stand the stench on the inside. Sometimes you wish those who were with us were in the opposite camp. You know what I mean. That they were at least riding on a log outside the ark. And so he said, let me tell you. And he did this. He said, you're going to be around this kind, that kind. He's giving me all this father advice. And he had a way. He just took me by the hand, and he gripped me, and he looked me right in the eye. And he said, now what you do when you meet someone? Now this, this sounds so mystical and corny to you. Don't, don't know him, but don't dare say a thing or hit you. Um, is that he just took that hand, and he looked me in the face. And in his way, he says, what you search for when you meet them is search for the spirit of Jesus in them, and if you find the spirit of Jesus in them, you found kin folks. Anybody that's got the spirit of Jesus in them are my kin folks. We're members of the same body, are we not? I still hear him. So I looked a little funny meeting guys, and I'd hold them a little bit longer. I'm feeling. Are you? And sometimes I walked away. My grip wasn't good enough because I found some that said they were. But the spirit of Jesus didn't dominate them. It's a wonderful thing to travel throughout the world or to different countries. I haven't been to every place, but I've been to about 20 countries preaching different times. And I find all Christians have this precious spirit in them. They're sold on Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus without moving them. It's the ID mark. If you have the spirit, you have Christ. If you have Christ, you've got the spirit. Then he says, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Boy, that sounds weird. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. What I think he's saying, your physical body is dying as a result of sin. Because of the fallen Adam, you know your body is dying, right? No matter how glorious you feel and how wonderful heaven is and how great the service was, you rush home so you take some Motrin because the body is dying. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies too his spirit who lives in you so hold on you're thinking all oh, this other is glorious but my body is dying he says hold on hold on he is even going to change your body and the spirit that's changing your character and the spirit that's giving you power to overcome sin that same spirit is going to act on your body and you're going to be glorified in a moment in the twinkling of an eye he will change your physical body that's what he's saying why why You know, Charles Feinberg, a great, great teacher, uh, the Hebrew prophet Talbot for years, and I was talking to another seminary teacher that went to see him, and when he went and saw him, Feinberg didn't even know who he's talking to. He he was in the last stages of Alzheimer's, had studied to be a Jewish rabbi, and God had saved him, and he became this magnificent Bible teacher and scholar, and yet when you visit him in that hospital... Hey, how are you, Charles? Is that my name? Wife, come in to say hi, or Adonna, go see Francis Sylvester, one of the feistiest, gold gettingest women in this church, now about 93. Memory loss, can't even recognize Donna when she comes in, has to be waited on, cared upon. But you know what's in that little girl? Is the Holy Spirit. And someday, God's not only going to get her out of that hospital, He's going to change her body, and memory's going to come back, and everything's going to come together because the power that came into you to overcome sin is going to overcome the body that's been touched by sin. It's going to be changed. Thank God. Got a new one on order, a new one on order. Now he's going to make application, and I'll just make the application he makes, and we're done. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sin nature to live to it. And the word obligation is a debt. We don't owe sin a dime. Don't serve it a minute. It's like uh, after the Emancipation Proclamation in the South in uh 1865 many many a slave still showed up the same master kept so they'd lived that their whole life this new life was strange they didn't know where to begin they would go back and what he's saying to us believers hey all debts to the old master are over you're under a new administration you're under the spirit don't act like you owe the old master anything you've been set free Free. Don't go back. Don't even act. Now, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Hmm. I wonder what this is. And there's two views. Some take it you will physically die. I don't think that's what he's talking about, but it's, it's another view I held for years because my teachers taught it. I think he's talking about you'll go to hell. I think it's eternal. If you live according to the sin nature, you're about to go to hell. Thanks that's what he's saying. The death here is not just physical life. He's been talking about spiritual realities. And he says the same thing in Galatians, but he simply says, those who walk after the flesh shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what else is there to inherit? Hell. You're either going to be in God's kingdom. So he says, let me say this to you as a warning. And God warns believers a lot. Don't ever think you can live a life in the flesh and it not have consequences. And he's making a grand summary here. The reason we're not obligated to the sin nature, those who serve in this, the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal. Now, now let me uh, let, let me try to deal with the tension there's two camps about this therefore we call them arminians uh jacob arminius and uh, the remonstrance at the council of dort and you've got a group that's called calvin so it's known as calvinism uh, let me give you the two views and then i'll try to give you the right view the arminian view says this is a warning to the believer that if you ever yield to sin however long you can ultimately lose it and go to hell. That would be their view. So don't ever go back, because if you do, you terminate salvation and you experience eternal separation from God. That's one view. The other view would be since we think believers are saved forever, unless God can be talked out of what he chose. And he chose you already knowing everything you would do wrong. And so maybe he didn't have enough information to make a good choice and he stuck with you. They would say, believers may sin, believers may lapse, but God will do something for them in Christ and giving them a new birth, a new nature, and with the indwelling of the Spirit that will keep them from ever abandoning And going to a lifestyle of sin. So they may sin. We all do sin. David did. You do. But it doesn't mean you go back. That you lapse into what would be known as total apostasy. That you're you're back to the flesh. Now as a pastor that's tough. Because there's some people I've pastored. That uh, I thought were born again in 1970. That today please don't ask me to do their funeral. Because I don't know where they're going. They're out of church. They've gone back to the old country. So the question is, did they backslide or did they never have it? Well, I have a view that they never had it. But if you feel better thinking they lost it, help yourself. But it seems inconsistent with everything Paul has said about salvation and what he will do at the end of this chapter. What does he say at the end of the chapter? Nothing is going to be able to separate the one that God chose, the one Christ intercedes for, the one God called, the one God predestined. And he says over there in verse 29, whom he predestined, he's already glorified. So in God's mind, you've already landed. Your body just hasn't caught up. So it doesn't seem to me like it would be saying you lose it. But it's just a flat statement. Don't even consider the old life. Don't even consider a life in the realm of sin because it's costly. It's an eternal payment. We don't even want to dabble in that area. Stay clear of it. Then he says something that's astounding again. These are not... The, there's so many views in these verses. Listen to this. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Isn't that interesting? I thought we died with Christ. Did Romans 6 say you die with Christ? Yes, yes, say yes. You don't know, but he, yeah, it did. Now he's telling me to put to death the deeds of the body. Well, if you did it, why do I need to do it? This is the amazing thing about the Christian life. Pastor Rollins often uses the term a divine cooperative. There's one of you that just says that now that I got the Holy Spirit, I just let go and let God, and God's going to take care of it. And so you're more passive in it and, and the spirit just does it. There's another view that makes you either legalistic or moralistic. I'll keep all these rules and, and I'll handle the deeds of the body. No, it, it's this way. I'm holding you accountable for the way you put your body out to be used. And when you come to a seductive temptation to weather anger, lust, whatever, when I come to it, now instead of just me being there facing the temptation to myself am i ever again alone now that i'm saved or do i have inside help i've got inside help and what you don't want to do is to uh, if you could i guess pull the plug on the help that's the miracle of power tools from a saw to a power saw big difference so he says when you face a misdeed of the body and it's coming at you in the form of idolatry drunkenness and that list of galatians 5 you now have this divine power in you and person the holy spirit and you as a team put to death that deed you say no to it i'm not available uh no to temptation and you say i'm experiencing a power in temptation i never had before you're absolutely right but it's a divine spirit cooperative you just say holy spirit i need help i need help you see the christian life isn't hard it's impossible to live like a christian is impossible you cannot live like a christian unless the Holy Spirit invades your life.
1: That brings us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard as we have been working our way through Romans. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today.